BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Fox 2 presents Hancock and Kelly. Good Sunday morning to you. Welcome to Hancock and Kelly on Fox 2, where we take on the top issues of the week. On the right, as always, John Hancock. Good morning. And on the left, Michael Kelly. Good morning. I'm Andy Banker. And on the agenda this morning, the viral video of two St. Charles County Republicans using flamethrowers. Democrats are using it to spread a false claim about book burning. Also, a comeback for red light cameras. City Democrats think cameras and not more police will combat the reckless driving epidemic. We have the makings of a mutiny in Congress as Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy struggles to keep his house in order and prevent a government shutdown. Also, our quote of the week, sports books weigh in with their best bets to win the White House in 2024. There's a big surprise there. Plus, is a hoodie appropriate attire for a senator on the floor of the United States Senate? But we begin with that viral video of two state senators from St. Charles County burning boxes with flamethrowers. One of them is running for governor. Democrats are peddling a false claim that they were burning books. It wasn't even a story until folks that opposed me politically decided to spread a very malicious lie about it. I think this is a perfect time to reflect on, you know, what is true before I share an article, before I share a social media post. Our elected leaders should, shouldn't be burning boxes or burning books or burning anything. That was Democrat State Rep Crystal Quaid there, who is also running for governor. She asked for campaign donations on social media, reposting the false claim that the senators were burning books. They were not. It was just cardboard boxes. However, Senator Bill Igel says he will burn pornographic books aimed at children on the lawn of the governor's mansion if he is elected. Books or no books, John? Was this really just a random incident where they were asked to pick up flamethrowers, or did they know something was going on where they sent in some kind of message with Well, this? look, ever since uh, our former governor, Eric Greitens, was took to the howitzer, remember that? <laughs> uh, uh, and I think I think Senator Schmidt used a flamethrower uh, in an ad. A blowtorch. It was a blowtorch. Blow now now we got the flamethrowers. I mean, look, politics increasingly has become theater and entertainment. And videos like this are intended to go viral. They're intended to garner attention. Uh, they're intended to, uh, I think in this case, make a point to a lot of the base of the Republican voters. And they clearly have done that uh, by, you know, using the flamethrower. Now, I'm not going to use the flamethrower because my aim's not very good. <laughs> Should Democrats keep fueling the fire saying this is burning books it wasn't well, well that was the implication that they were trying it? to make and it's it, well, that's it comes not what on they the, say they say they were just demonstrating right. this to raise money for a raffle because they were raffling off one of the flamethrowers right isn't that weird raffling off a flame flamethrower this is the state of the republican party right now and those two guys right there nick shore and bill igel they're extremist republicans and they're winning in these primaries because people aren't participating and they come up with this crazy extremist type behavior. This isn't what we want. This guy wants to be the governor of the state running around with a flamethrower. Come on, man. What do you use a flamethrower for? I mean, is there a, is there like a purpose for the thing? I've, I've Kill heard people? some people use it to uh, burn brush. 
Oh. But that would seem to be like, you know, you're going to start a wildfire. Yeah. You're taking a flamethrower to burn brush. Yeah, I'd be careful with those things. It but looks kind of like it might be fun. Well, maybe. I mean, if you're wanting to play G.I. Joe, I just want somebody to pave the roads and pick up the trash and act normal. But I live in Missouri. That's impossible to find. Well, there is this issue of banning explicit or pornographic books, and it has come to a head again in St. Charles County. No flamethrowers involved this time. The St. Charles County City Library's collection includes a book titled It's Perfectly Normal. That book includes illustrations of heterosexual and homosexual sex acts. And there's another book titled, Bang Like a Porn Star, which includes interviews with gay porn stars and photos of sex acts. A group of concerned parents wants these books removed from the libraries. Michael, Democrats ridicule them as book banners, these parents. Uh, but do those books belong in libraries? Probably not. But, I mean, first of all, I, I grew up at a time we didn't have the Internet. And I still didn't go to the library. These kids aren't going to the library right now. What are we doing? I, I don't get it. It's, it seems to me that we have this cultural war that's going on where, we're, where people on the far right are dreaming up things, going anywhere they can to put a microscope on ridiculousness. Look, we shouldn't be banning books and we shouldn't be putting out gay porn or, or straight porn or anything else in a library. It's just silly. Man, we have real issues to deal with and we're making decisions on this type of nonsense? No one's forcing these books on anyone. Not everyone shares the same view of sexuality. Isn't it better, instead of banning them, just to ignore them if, if it's not in your interest? Well, at first I thought bang like a porn star was about how to play the drums. Uh, but no, it's not. It's pornography. And the Supreme Court's been very clear that there are community standards that dictate what obscene and pornographic material. Communities have the right to implement those standards. Books like this have no business in a public library that's funded by taxpayers, period, the end. St. Louis Democrats mayor, the St. Louis mayor, who's a Democrat, and the aldermanic president, also a Democrat, want to bring back red light cameras eight years after the state Supreme Court said those cameras were unconstitutional. Supporters say new facial recognition technology should get around those constitutional issues. An epidemic of dangerous driving plagues the city Violators caught by the cameras would receive tickets in the mail. The mayor says there was a 63% drop in violations when the cameras were in use from 2007 to 2013. There are concerns this will punish drivers who fail to come to complete stops or who may run a light to avoid being carjacked or get out of trouble that might be in the offing. While the truly dangerous drivers won't be deterred because they won't get the ticket in the mail, and they may not have a license anyway. They don't have a permanent address. How do you see it, Michael? Do we need red light cameras again? Well, potentially. And look, I'm, I'm thrilled to see that they're focused on wanting to do crime fighting. I hope their answer isn't to make it all electronic because at the end of the day, ultimately what we need is human interaction and police officers on the street. But I think this is a step in the right direction. Um, I, you know, great that we're moving forward. But this. is it going to punish the... Unintended targets. If you break I mean, the it, law, you break the law. Now, look, if somebody is running from a person who's knocking on their window or something, I would hope there would be a process to adjudicate that. But at the end of the day, if it's a stop sign or a stoplight, you're supposed to come to a complete stop. If you don't, you're going to be held accountable. It's a law and order proposal, right? It's a horrible idea. Uh, it, it, precisely as you outlined, the criminals out there don't have license plates or they've got stolen license plates. They're running lights. They're, they're the ones that are causing all the havoc, speeding down the roads and so forth. You know, there is a way to police traffic violations. It's with police. 
and, uh, and you, you dispose, you patrol your police, and if people are running lights that they shouldn't be running, then they get pulled over, they get talked to, they maybe get a warning, they maybe get a ticket. Heck, Kim Gardner was sitting on how many hundreds of traffic violations that she never took a single step with. Uh, this is just a cash grab to go after otherwise honorable people. It's a bad idea. And you know, Michael, if you have someone who's driving very dangerously and they don't hit anybody, you can give them 20 red light camera tickets. They're not going to go to oh, jail yeah. for it. No, this isn't it's foolproof, and it shouldn't be a substitute for police officers. But it surely can be a supplement to it. Look, I don't like it. I'm probably going to have rolled through a couple of those stop signs as well. But it's a good reminder, the law is the law. And if you're going to go out there and criticize people and saying that we ought to be abiding by the law and we ought to hold people accountable, then you ought to stop at a stoplight. What's wrong about that? I'd stop at a stoplight except unless it's 1030 at night and I'm in the city and the lights are, you know, they're made for New York where they think there's actually traffic on the roads. So you sit there like a sitting duck for a minute and a half or two minutes. Uh, do I run that red light at 1030 at night in the city? You bet I do every single time. Most agree that crime and safety are critical to reverse the city's population plunge to below 300,000 residents now. Greater St. Louis, Inc., which promotes economic growth, has a new plan to flip the script by 2030 and a new data tracking tool to chart the progress. This is the population trend since 2016. St. Louis is in red on the bottom. Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Indy, and Charlotte are the other colors we put up there. Just going up the chart, St. Louis is the only one consistently going down. Greater St. Louis, Inc. has a goal of increasing the population by 0.7% each year through 2030. That'll get us on the right track with a focus on inclusive economic growth, for instance, increasing black and brown entrepreneurship. There's also a focus on boosting home ownership. At the same time, progressives at City Hall are pointing to rent control laws now to limit how much landlords can raise rent as a way to stop population drain. One thing is certain, Michael, St. Louis has got to do something. Well, can rent control work? We have been shrinking in St. Louis region since I've been alive. Um, and look, we can point to a number of factors. Yes, the world's changed, right? We've now become a, a Passover city where, where we've got uh, regional vice presidents as opposed to the big corporations. Right. But at the end of the day, we, we can have rent control, but rent control's not our issue. The problem is, is we don't have people. And this is all being driven by safety and public safety and the dysfunction that is the St. Louis governance. I'm pleased to see Great St. Louis taking an active uh, movement in this. Maybe they can come forward with the ideas of Better Together, which consolidated government and put a focus on public safety. If you make this a safe place, people will come here. This is a great place. There's so many opportunities in St. Louis, but when you talk to people who come here or businesses that potentially want to relocate, what are they most concerned about? What they read in the paper and that it's unsafe. Well, in Kansas City has got probably two or three times the footprint of geography that St. Louis does. St. Louis is a tiny little right. city right. in terms of square miles. And you're, you're, all your crime stats are based on what happens in that tiny little geographic dot. That's a bad look for St. Louis. I think we ought to look at some kind of way to consolidate the region. I do believe in that. Uh, you're not going to create jobs and bring people downtown unless and until you solve the crime problem. If they want to flip the script, uh, let's flip the script and start solving crime in the city. That will increase the population. Up next, the Republican Speaker of the House may have a mutiny on his hands, and Ukraine's president comes to the White House. Does he get what he came for?
listen to the podcast. Just search for Hancock and Kelly. Republican Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy is in the political crosshairs, not of Democrats, but of members of his own party. During the speaker contest in January, Kevin McCarthy agreed to spending caps. And now that seems to be some selective amnesia affecting him because he doesn't want to go to the agreement that we made in January. The deadline to continue funding the federal government is Friday. Republican hardliners demand that federal spending measures be slashed as McCarthy promised when he was elected speaker. The hardliners are dug in, even rejecting a popular defense spending measure. Are we headed for a government shutdown and maybe a new Speaker of the House, Michael Kelly? I don't think we're going to get a new Speaker, but I think we are going to have a government shutdown and it'll be brought to you by Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Breen, Laura Boebert, all the extremist Republicans who are going to go down there and shut down the government, make sure that our military people aren't getting paid, that Grandma doesn't get her Social Security, that your Medicare is up in the air. This is irresponsible. These are people who don't want to accomplish things. They want to break things. And the Republican Party is allowing this to fester. They're allowing them to act the fool. And as a result, they're going to take our country to the verge where we may even take a credit downgrade as a result of their ridiculousness. This is a shame, and it's all on the hands of the Republican Party. So the speaker reaches out to his break glass in case of emergency political advisor, John Hancock. Well, what do first, you tell him? First of all, Grandma's going to get her Social Security check, okay? I mean, let's not, let's not be too hyperbolic over there. Uh, but government shutdown is bad. And Michael's right about the credit downgrade. Uh, we've already had one this year by Fitch. Uh, another credit downgrade in terms of the U.S. dollar's position in the world is very poor. Now, as far as the politics of it go... How do you walk him through this? Well, he's got two problems here. He's got his own caucus problem. He's also got the Senate Republican problem. Because the Senate Republicans and the House Republicans are not on the same page, particularly over Ukraine and a lot of the cultural stuff that the House Republicans want to put in the continuing resolution. The budget bills aren't going to pass. There's still a chance they can get a continuing resolution to keep the government open. All right, we're moving to Ukraine right now. The president, Volodymyr Zelensky, traveled to Washington for a meeting with President Biden at the White House in the past week. President Biden announced another $325 million in military aid to Ukraine as that country continues to fend off Russia's invasion, which was launched in early 2022. President Biden says no nation will be secure if the U.S. fails to help Ukraine. Zelensky also met with members of Congress who are considering $24 billion in additional aid. A group of House Republicans, though, certainly skeptical of that. How divided are Republicans on this, John? Should they be? Well, increasingly so. I think it's still a fairly mi small minority of the elected GOP that is ready to shut down the aid to Ukraine. But the numbers are growing. And uh, I... Now... As a matter of public policy, I think we must support Ukraine defending themselves because you're not going to stop a tyrant like Vladimir Putin unless they, he gets stopped by the, invade, by the people he's invading. Is the skepticism not at least a little legitimate here? I mean, you're eventually worried that we're going to end up sending troops to Ukraine one day. I don't know. I think John's spot on, and I think he reflects what the Republican Party used to be, which is Ronald Reagan, you know, we're going to take on this big bad bear. Unfortunately, the Republicans want to cede power and the influence and the decision-making of the world to China, to Russia, to France, to Iran. Look, America may not make always make the best decisions, but as an American, I'm glad that we're the ones who are leading this world and we're the ones who are in charge. These Republicans who want to do this isolationist stuff are going to allow Vladimir Putin to run over Europe? 
what, what world are we living in? America is the best leader this world could have. And all of us better be paying attention here. We're going to get exactly what we want. And that's someday where the Communist Party or the Russians are making decisions for this world. So to come on Hancock and Kelly, our quote of the week from a sports book on the presidential race. And is a hoodie proper attire for a U.S. senator on the floor of the Senate? What to wear, what to wear. Democrat Senator Major Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer has ordered that the Senate's unofficial dress code not be enforced, allowing Pennsylvania Democrat John Fetterman to wear his trademark hoodie on the Senate floor. We asked Missouri senators if they might start wearing Mizzou hoodies in the Senate. I will not be wearing hoodies on the Senate floor. I think that uh, the American people deserve a little bit more than that, uh, and you ought to dress up when you go to work. I have been known to wear uh, jeans and boots uh, on, uh, on Mondays in the Senate when we come back. I'm kind of a, I'm a, I'm a jeans kind of guy. Fetterman suffered a stroke before his election and says he's been treated for clinical depression earlier this year. He also fired a shot back at Republican critics who say relaxing the dress code is an outrage. He pointed to Republican Congresswoman Lauren Boebert groping her date in public while watching a stage performance in a Denver theater. Your thoughts about wearing hoodies, jeans, whatever on the Senate floor, John? Well, she wasn't groping her date on the floor of the U.S. Senate. Uh, this is absolutely ridiculous. And, and, and here's, the, here's the real issue with John Fetterman. He's had a stroke. He's clearly got mental issues. They've never released his medical records. We don't know just how bad off this guy is. They're changing a 200-year-old rule to accommodate this guy, and they're not telling us what's wrong with him. He had his staff introducing legislation on his behalf. That's unprecedented. Pennsylvania is being ill-served by this guy in the U.S. Senate, and they're covering up the real issue here. Is this opening Pandora's box changing the dress code. We Who knows what people are going to show up. First, I have to comment, man, the macho-ness of that Josh Hawley, man. He just, doesn't he just exude macho-ness when you just see him? Can't you just see him there in his boots and his jeans and maybe a flamethrower? Woo, tough guy. Having said that, I, this is crazy. Now, the United States Senate, they used to wear powdered wigs and costumes. That's not the way to do it. But there's nothing wrong with a necktie and a coat. John Fetterman ought to be doing it. John McCain, who couldn't raise his arms above his uh, chest, put a coat and a tie on every day, John Fetterman can do the same thing. For our quote of the week, we turn to sportsbook odds on the 2024 presidential race. They certainly reflect recent trends with Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis becoming more of a long shot and an unannounced Democrat, California Governor Gavin Newsom, becoming a safer bet by the day. Our quote of the week is from the Caesar Sportsbook in Canada a few days ago, since you can't bet on the race in the United States. President Biden is the favorite in this one at minus 120, followed by Donald Trump at plus 300, though another sports book in Canada now has Trump as the favorite. But after the top two, look at this. It's Newsom at plus 1,000, 10 to 1, ahead of the struggling DeSantis. What pops out from the sports book odds on the presidential race? I want to run and go put $100 on Gavin Newsom uh, because that's going to have a good payoff if that's wind up, what winds up happening. What also ought to be concerning is, is that Outside of Donald Trump, the Republicans follow behind both Democrats. Democrats are going to win this election when it becomes a binary choice. 
President Biden, not just in the sports book odds, but he's really falling in polls. Bad. Uh, the Washington Post poll out this morning has him down nine points to Donald Trump nationwide, 51-42. His unfavorable rating is at 56%. The, the House is burning here. The Democrats uh, are going to snatch uh, defeat from the jaws of victory. And they, I, I predict they're going to address this problem. It's a problem. By addressing it, you mean President Biden will not be... That's what I think is going to happen. Final thoughts are next. First, Bomberito.com drone fox over paint St. Louis along the St. Louis Riverfront. Graffiti is allowed here. Final thoughts, Michael? Well, the most question, asked question that I dealt with for the past several months was, when are you guys going to be back on DirecTV? Well, we're back now, and I know a lot of my family and friends are pleased to be back with us. Thank you for sticking with us and watching Hancock and Kelly. It should be outlawed that they can turn off stations like that. Playing a little snooker the other day with my buddy Michael over here, ran into a couple of faithful viewers, uh, Terry and Otis. And I said, the next time we get together, gentlemen, we'll take you on in doubles. <laughs> You guys are snooker kings. Oh, yeah. Well, one of us. Mm -hmm. Without, we need to do a segment on that. Shoot some video today after the show. Fox News Sunday is next. Remember, if it's Sunday in St. Louis, it's Hancock and Kelly on Fox 2. And we'll see you next week.